Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. Okay, hello. This is the Workforce Show, specifically Against the Norm podcast, led by Zarina Silas. I am the Happy You app founder, and I have a wonderful guest today, Joshua Rabinowitz. Uh, he is going to talk about Mount Core Technologies, and we are so excited to hear him. And thank you so much for coming. Zarina, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yourself and Cindy have been more than inviting, and I really appreciate the privilege and opportunity to talk to you today. Wonderful. So let's dive right in. You built an entire company, <laughs> and you have 11 employees already. What is your company? So Mountcore Technologies is a... A uh, new small business that is working in the government contracting field, supporting federal agencies, as well as doing some commercial work in the D.C., Virginia area. And today it's focused on not only cybersecurity, specifically for uh protecting your critical infrastructure, but also uh, migrations to the cloud oh, and wow. performing uh, networking services as well for entities that are trying to communicate around the world. And so we so can how did talk you come about. up with that name? I have to ask. I'm sorry. It <laughs> sounds so unique. It really is. So it's funny. Uh, I spent a number of years working for other companies and building other companies prior to deciding to do this myself. And at one point in time, there was a company that was being rebranded and the leadership brought in a branding company and they decided to pick two words, Genesis and Apogee, as <laughs> the way to come together as, a, a, you know, a way to recognize the momentum and the, you know, the flavor of the company. And so they ended up uh, putting those two words together to call it Apogee Technologies. Okay. And at the same time, I decided to take a page from their branding book and utilize the word mountain and anchor as we saw them as a, as a way to capture the word of strength and dependability. And we took those two words, put them together, and came up with Mount Core Technologies. That's excellent. So Mount Core Technologies currently has how many employees? So we have 11 full-time employees and three part-time. Excellent. And the 11 full-time employees support uh, a number of federal agencies today, not only focused on cybersecurity, specifically protecting uh, the .gov domain and the what's called critical infrastructure, specifically uh, in the commercial entity world, our financial banking industry, oh, wow. our electric systems uh, that have uh, a lot of infrastructure, as well as some of the water uh, communities that are out there. Uh, the purpose is to make sure that their infrastructure is secured against not only insider threats, but also external uh, threat actors from a nation state all the way down to an individual who just has nefarious interest in, in mind. And so, uh, wow. yeah, it's exciting. That it's, sounds like a whole lot of big words to say you're protecting all of our stuff, right? That's it. So, that's it. so thank you in sounds advance like... for building a company that is based on a need. So mm -hmm. the problem that you're solving, what would you say it is? So right now, the the transparency and openness of America is, is one of our greatest 
advantages. We love to be as as truthful and honest with each other as we possibly can. But at the same time, sometimes that transparency enables other people to take advantage of us. And the real benefit of having a security minded uh, focus is the ability to still share information, but now share it with one another in a way that protects you from people with nefarious interest. Excellent. Excellent. So you have all of these things working together, all of these big dreams and big goals, and you've built a company surrounding it. Tell me about the background that led you to this, because I I can't even fathom coming up with the technical terms that you just dropped on us. (laughs) Uh, Could you talk a little bit about your background as far back as you're willing to go? I'd love to hear it so someone else could take that journey if possible. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's a loaded question. Uh, (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I am one of the folks who really did live the American dream. I was very fortunate to start at a place that was uh, humble beginnings. Um, I have a, a, a mom who was a stay at home and father who worked around the clock for uh, four children and gave everything he had to us and uh, gave us an opportunity to uh, go to college. And in college, I uh, had the opportunity to explore many different sides of myself. So started off political science as a major, jumped into biology, loved it. Uh, Political science to biology. Yep, (laughs) a little bit of diversion there, and uh, we didn't stop. I I guess uh, in my uh, path, I uh, started working for a small computer company and started thinking computer science was the way to go and decided that was a little bit too much uh, intensity for me, so I moved that to a minor and ended up going into elementary education. Oh, wow. Yes. So quite a dramatic change of events. I uh, worked in elementary education uh, through the not only the uh, undergraduate degree, but then took a teaching job in New York uh, near the school where I uh, took over for a fifth grade classroom and helped uh, student teach as well as substitute teach there until I moved to Virginia, where I actually thought I was going to be a teacher. That's wonderful. So for all of our listeners that are on the wrong path or think that they're path ends where they are today, tell them that's not the case, right? You can remake yourself anytime you want. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. fifth grade teaching. Okay. Fifth grade teaching. Education. Ed- education. And you know what was neat is being able to transition some of the technical knowledge I had from not only the small computer company I worked at through college, but also in my student teaching, we developed websites for the children. And so that kind of exposure for the children, having the opportunity to learn coding, learning to build websites on their own. All the parents had a chance to see their kids make a website. These were the kinds of things I was excited about. I moved to Virginia, was all ready to go, (laughs) and decided partway through the summer while I'm waiting for the fall school season to begin to throw my technology resume out. At that time... 2000 technology bust had just occurred. A lot of people were not really as excited about uh, all of the IPOs and everything that was uh, collapsing within the technology field. So I ended up um, submitting a tech resume and uh, the next day received an offer making a little bit more than I was going to make as a teacher and diverted my career into uh architecture, engineering, and global infrastructure. All right. Money talks and money walks. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Well, that's wonderful. And then I 
I heard you say something about MIT in the background in our previous talks, and uh, I know there are quite a few listeners that graduated from similar schools. Do you have any uh, involvement or reach backs to your alma maters? I do. So I, I stay well connected to both Geneseo and MIT. Uh, SUNY Geneseo and their alumni program come out very often bringing professors and other subject matters to uh, different conferences around the D.C. area, and we help host. Same thing for MIT. I was very fortunate. Felt like an imposter when I uh, originally arrived, but <laughs> the brilliance of not only the student body that were in my master's degree program, uh, matched only by the professors that were there, I had an opportunity to be exposed to global challenges and people who really did solve global problems. A couple of the professors were responsible for helping countries with their financial budgets and fixing their economies. Oh, that's awesome. Some of the professors spoke at the front of the justices in the Supreme Court for health care and climate change. One of them was responsible for the Kyoto uh, Accords and having draft the original uh, agreements that were signed on to by uh, over 100 countries. So That's wonderful. Yeah. I, Impressive and piques my legal background, of course. I can't <laughs> help it. That's awesome. That's exciting. So very fortunate. And my classmates all stay very well connected. They are also uh, very supportive of one another. So when we find that there are f overlaps in our fields, such as finance or uh, healthcare or even in the technology side of the space, there are constant communications going on uh, within our, our, our private groups that allow us to help support and help one another. And so it's a great community. That's very, wonderful. Very fortunate. Thank you so much for sharing your background. I mean, it is ultimately impressive, and I can see how it's starting to culminate into this Mount Core Technologies business. Um, can you tell me what you think would be the forecast maybe for five years out? You talked about a little bit of your creation and how you created this company and you're up to 11 employees, which, you know, hand claps all around on that, um, which means you have really great funding. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about how you grab that funding for those who may need some help or tips. But um, what is your forecast for five years in your industry? Do you see it evolving? Do you see it, you know, breaking into different categories? Or what, what is your vision? So lots of folks out in the community talking about change and development all over the place when it comes to technology. I think that one of the things that Mount Court Technologies is currently focused on is how to integrate some of the newest bleeding edge understandings of artificial intelligence yes. and machine learning and being able to do some of the scripting with automated automated playbooks, as well as um, robotic process engineering. And these terms all have relationships to how we want to automate the future. Yes. So one of the things that I think is going to happen is, as we see right now, a lot of the technology focused on our information exchange, we're going to see it transform into our physical world a lot more than we've seen in the past. Oh. So the Internet of Things is something people have talked about, but right now a lot of the toys that we have are starting to get lights, are starting to get you know verbal communications, are starting to have interaction with our children, and uh, not only from the from the school age uh, backgrounds, but even for virtual realities and training our military, virtual realities and training 
our uh, healthcare individuals. These capabilities are now being taught to robotics in a way where they are taking over the responsibility to review our x-ray charts and have better visibility into whether or not you have cancer or not. Right. And that artificial intelligence is going to take off in all of the physical world that we have today. And frankly, less margin of error, right? They have shown already huge yeah. improvements in being able to diagnose problems, uh, not only from uh, engine block issues to pipelines that are cracking in places the visible person can't see when you send an inspector out to being able to find uh, diseases in our food supply, uh, as well as, as the healthcare industry. But yeah, all, all the above are going to transform. And so five years out from now, I think you'll see a lot more people who are not just based in the information age. They're going to be in the hands-on age. It's not just the mind that we're developing. It's really the hands-on capabilities that you're going to see in the field. So uh, thank you. That, that makes a lot of sense. And that is a huge step in our technology here. And I think we've seen a lot of that of the fembots and, mm-hmm. and all of those that are now <laughs> moving and looking, which is, you know, slightly a little scary, but also advancing. Um, mm-hmm. So I get it. Uh, how do you figure out what you want to follow and go after as a business? Um, you know, which portion of the cybersecurity do you apportion out and say, you know what, I want to move our focus and our company to those particular areas and not these? How, how do you parse out what projects or what type of ideas to go after? So we talked a little bit about education a minute ago, and one of the things that was very real in the folks that came together for Mount Course employment and and the team that I have today is we have an internal competitiveness to be continual learners. Mm-hmm. Going back and obtaining my master's degree was something I did as an adult, and so getting into MIT was a very uh, – um, exciting opportunity where I flew into MIT every two weeks, physically was there for four days and for two years worked on that master's That's degree wonderful. in place. I were you the oldest one in the class? No, no. <laughs> I wasn't. There were, were you a confused few, with the professor? There was a, there was a <laughs> no. few others in the class uh, around my age group. But I kid, we, but that's impressive. <laughs> it was definitely something that within the team, We are always looking at that new technology that's coming out. So when we're driving at growth for the company, we are trying to maintain that cutting edge of not only what's coming down the pike, but also being able to deliver improvements to where things were started. A lot of these ideas, they come out and they have a lot of potential, but maturation is something that needs to occur in a lot of these areas. And taking it from the seedling, if you will, to mature it into something that has complexity for large systems, that's where we focus. And there's a lot of large integrated supply chains around the world today, whether or not you're dealing with fertilizer that has interests in South America from the items that need to come in like potash or potassium or other types of uh, fertilizer bases, you have to have a supply chain that not only manages it, protects it, makes sure it comes into this country properly, ports of entry, whether or not it's via airlines or via the shipping containers that come through uh, different areas around the United States. Those areas all have cybersecurity-related systems now that need to be protected and need to be, uh, at the same time, useful for the actual growth of our country. So, Absolutely. Hmm. And I would certainly be remiss if I didn't mention this coronavirus, right? The, the running the running joke, although not comical, is, you know, I'll keep the corona, you can keep the virus. 
But as it relates to our cybersecurity, mm-hmm. what does that mean for our infrastructure and to cybersecurity when there may be some things that are traveling that carry that sort of um, bacteria uh, that are you know, finding its way into our goods? Um, is there a cybersecurity element to that? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I've got an example that is almost a scary example, but um, Customs and Border Protection has equipment that today is networked together for the purpose of sharing information all over the world to make sure that when they see something leaving a country or coming into this country, that they're looking for threats to our community. And, you know, there was a public article that came out uh, about a Customs and Border Patrol or a TSA agent through a scanner having identified what somebody was carrying as uh, cat food. Well, it turns out that it wasn't cat food. It wasn't food. cat food. And that particular uh, um, set of items that were coming into the country were blocked from coming into the country. And those are the types of things that when you look at uh, biologicals that could potentially be carrying something from another country that our systems are built to help protect us against. And it's awesome. It's uh, truly amazing when you start to see what we're capable of. Thank you for sharing that example. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's scary times at this particular point because, you know, certainly we think that it travels person to person. But thank you for giving an example that it's not always the case. And I think technologies will certainly advance us in those areas so that we do not have to contaminate to find right. that information. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. So when did you say that your uh, company was established or did you? So we started it as a, as a hobby in okay. 2012. Oh, tell me about so, this. Uh, Yeah, there was an opportunity that came along where I thought uh, a program that had a start and finish date was accomplished, and it was believed at the time that uh, I was going to be looking for a new program to support. And so I started a company uh, with a couple of friends of mine who were on the program that I was working on, and uh, we... Uh, went out of our way to start working with some of the large companies, carriers like Verizon and CenturyLink and Level 3 and some others, and to help provide some of our expertise to them. And they took advantage. We actually uh, helped uh, CenturyLink now, at the time it was Level 3, win a big program uh, providing fiber optic networks in the national capital region. And Level 3 means? So Level 3 was just the name of the company. Got it. And they were purchased by CenturyLink, which is another carrier out there like Verizon. Perfect. And so we ended up uh, staying on the program that we thought was going to go away. We turned it around. (laughs) It became something even bigger. The customer came back and said, hey, we want to throw more responsibility at you and give you an opportunity to earn more of their uh, business. And so uh, Mountcore, although had started, it went dormant almost for a short period of time. And uh, then just recently, uh, as, as my uh, career progressed within Perspecta, the company had an opportunity to go after a large uh, global program in supporting, as I mentioned before, uh, cybersecurity for the .gov domain as well as uh, the critical infrastructure. And so uh, I was asked to participate as a cybersecurity architect and support their 
uh, orals presentation, which is where you go in and you prove to the customer that you were able to bring them uh, world-class support and build a team that will deliver for them the kind of future that they're looking for. They also had an exciting exam. We had oh. six hours where we uh, responded to miter questions about oh, how. My yeah, it was uh, it was exciting. We we must have uh, with the team built about twenty pages of a response. Uh, explaining everything from NIST policies and FISMA down to uh, which are just types of uh, uh, standards out there in the industry, sure. all the way down to how to make sure the physical building was properly secured. And so uh, 16 pages later, six hours later, wow. uh, we were fortunate to win that program. And Mount Core became a, uh, a, a real force to be reckoned with. That's uh, wonderful. That. So 2012 to now, yep. I know you mentioned some start stops. Mm -hmm. What uh, advice do you have for folks that are uh, starting their own businesses or branching out on something that's a passion or a hobby like yours mm -hmm. and uh, really saying, oh, man, I can't get this thing up off of the ground or I have had a period of time where I've had a hiatus, um, you know. Can you talk about what gets you through that hump? Is it the support um, outside of the work environment? Is it partnerships? Uh, you know, is it perseverance? Uh, could you talk about what really drove you through that start stop to really start again and flourish? Yeah. So some of it is definitely perseverance. There is a component to that. You can't get away from it. Every time you see an obstacle, you have to have the right confidence in yourself to look at that obstacle as an opportunity, not as something that is a failure or a, a stopping point. You have to make sure that every time you see that obstacle, you believe that there is a way to overcome it. There is a way for you to achieve success in spite of whatever that obstacle is. And I think that's one of the things that also when you have a personality that says, hey, I can achieve anything. There's no problem that you can't solve. You become more uh, surrounded by people who have that same mentality. And so the customer starts to see that when they have the hard mission issues that nobody else seems to be able to solve, they start looking for you. And yes, it's you when can. you are able to not only have the willingness to try, you also find that you're often more successful than you realize. Even if you've moved the ball just a little bit down the field, it becomes further than anybody else achieved. And then, then you become the person who's leading the pack. That's wonderful. So, yeah, it was Thank great. you for that motivation tip. Did you hear that? Motivation. That's right. From a techie right here in front of us. Um, so you talked a lot about your company. You talked a lot about Mountain Core, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a very clever name. Uh, what about Joshua Rabinowitz? How do you maintain life to work, work to life balance in the midst of uh, Joshua the dad, Joshua the innovator, Joshua the businessman, Joshua the husband, uh, Joshua the friend, uh, and the New Yorker, right? Yep, that's uh, right. So how, how do you balance that? So a whole window into the world of Josh, I guess, is, is, is support from my family is outstanding. Amazing. I'm very fortunate to have... Uh, my grandmother with us still, who's 91 years old, turning 92. Uh, I have uh, two parents who, whenever they have the opportunity, come and support my wife and I. And my wife is amazing. She puts up with the brunt of bearing children and then yes. the, 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 the really early on needs that they have that I don't have the ability to provide. She was phenomenal. Uh, we have three under three. 
And we have a... How brave uh, of you. (laughs) After having procrastinated uh, nearly 14 (laughs) years, uh, my wife and I decided to jump in and say, hey, we can't wait any longer. Uh, I may be in a wheelchair when they get out of the house, (laughs) but (laughs) uh, it'll it'll keep me young. And Maria is amazing. So uh, with that, when... Mount Coeur was in its, uh, we'll say, dormant state. I was continuing to work for uh, the predecessor companies that evolved into what's today Perspective, which is a great, amazing company. I can talk for hours about how uh, I think their future is going to uh, take off. The reality is um, you kind of keep yourself busy in terms of looking for other opportunities when the door opens, you got to have the courage to walk through them. That's right. And the real examples that were true for us in that neighborhood I talked about in, in the Bull Run Battlefield earlier with you uh, yes. when we were chatting a little bit about where I live, um, an opportunity came along to expand into the neighborhood, and I picked up a horse boarding farm that was down the road from us in the park. And Oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> normal. Everyone's um, doing that. <laughs> and it just so happened uh, that the opportunity, and trust me, it's not one of those things you just, you know, pull out of your back pocket. I had to go to many banks and say, hey, I think I can make this business work. I had to go through business plans. And thankfully, uh, one did say, all right, we can make this work. We'll figure out how to uh, work with you on uh, purchasing the property. And uh, I uh, jumped into the horse boarding business. We have about 40 horses now, and they all have access to 25 miles of trails all through the uh, Manassas Battlefield and it, it, the Poplar Ford Farm is a uh, growing entity. That's wonderful. So yeah, we keep our lives very active. When one thing, you know, goes into a into a, a pause mode uh, in one part of our life, we decide to walk through doors in other parts of our life, but never shut any of them because eventually they open up to one another and really integrate into becoming something wonderful. That's very impressive. Thanks. That's very impressive. I'm very fortunate. And congratulations for receiving funding in a new area that yep. you know, may or may not have been comfortable to you. So um, lots of encouragement to our listeners that uh, you know may struggle with pushing through that extra step in a new area. So growth goals. Where do you see yourself in a year? So in a year from now, I think the uh, imagination goes as far as you're allowed to go, right? So shoot for the stars, and uh, uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, double or triple the size of our company within the first year. But uh, the goal is to uh, build a team of like-minded individuals where the magic becomes more about the innovation and the new capabilities that we can bring together every time something uh, something new in the marketplace becomes available. And we want to be able to bring that to our customers, show them how it can improve their business goals and bring in more revenue if that's what their goal is sure. or uh, help them become more efficient and more productive in the services that they provide to the American citizen when I'm focused on the federal government side. Wonderful. wonderful. So yeah, we've got a lot of high hopes. Wonderful. Well, I, I certainly hope that you achieve all of those goals and I'm sure with the perseverance and the dedication you have, you will undoubtedly reach it. Thank you so much for serving as a guest today on my Against the Norm podcast. Um, look out for Joshua Rabinowitz and Mount Cortez Technologies. I'll look to hear so much more from him, and I know you will too. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM. 
or at careercentralonline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.